Well, grab your Bible stand and turn to Acts chapter number 10. You're already standing, so you're halfway there. Acts chapter number 10. Did everybody get an outline? Did everybody get an outline? I want to make sure everybody gets an outline. Anybody need an outline? Raise your hand if you need an outline. Right here in the middle. Who's going to help me? Who's going to help me? Steve, Brother Melvin, you going to get one? All right. Anybody else need an outline? Right here at the front. Right here at the front. Anybody else need an outline? Everybody up on the shelf? Boy, y'all scattered abroad up there. Amen. All right. Y'all ever notice people like their space? People like their space. Amen. All right. That's cool. I'm glad we got a lot of it. All right. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Now, here's where we're at. Last week, we, we were able to study the conversion of Saul. Saul was the monster. God turned him into Paul the minister, right? Saul the monster became Paul the minister. Uh, and he said that God used him as a pattern, right? A pattern. In other words, if God could save Paul, he could he could save anybody. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter your background. Uh, listen, God can save you. Not only, not only can God save you, which is great and awesome, but God can give you purpose in life. God can give you purpose in life. God can not just save you, but God can use you for his glory. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, we're going we're gonna to kind of uh, uh, move for, fast forward just a little bit uh, to chapter number 10. But in between where we stopped last week and chapter number 10, Paul has been converted. He's, he spends uh, about three years with the Lord and, and, and God, the Lord himself is discipling uh, the apostle Paul. And, and we see him coming back. He ends up uh, back in Jerusalem. He has to leave Damascus and they have to lower him over the wall because they try to kill him uh, because he just starts making a nuisance of himself. And just everywhere he goes, he preaches Jesus. Amen. This one who persecuted, this one who would hunt people down, this one who tried to destroy the name of Christ and the people that followed him is now preaching Jesus everywhere he goes and he becomes a nuisance and they want to kill him. So he escapes, he escapes, goes back to Jerusalem. They were a little afraid of him. They were scared of him, obviously. Uh, and, and God worked that out. And now he's with the disciples and then he stirs them up again. Amen. He begins to deal with the Hellenistic Jews and, and, and convincing them that Jesus was the son of God. He was the Messiah. And so they send him home to Tarsus. And now we have Peter back on the scene and he, he, he begins in Lydda, which is basically where the Ben-Gurion uh, airport is today, right outside of Tel Aviv. If you was to fly into Israel, that's where, we're, where, where we begin with where Peter is. And then we go to Jaffa, or in your, in your scriptures, it's Joppa, J-O-P-P-A. And I'll show you that on the map here in just a minute. And, uh, and, and so he has, he has a miracle that needs to be done with Tabitha. Whose, whose name was Dorcas. Now, we would say Tabitha, but if you was over in Israel, it was Tabitha. Uh, Tabitha. That's, and, I, and when he said that, I'm like, who in the world's Tabitha? And then, then he, oh, you spell it out, Tabitha, right? And, and so he heals her, and he is now staying at uh, Simon the Tanner. We find that at the end of chapter number nine, all right? Simon the Tanner. Say that with me. And I'm going to show you pictures of his residence here in just a minute, all right? Simon the Tanner. Now, what is a tanner? A tanner is somebody that tans animal skins, okay? He would, he would tan animal hides. Now, that is very, very significant. 
and what we are fixing to study. And I'll get to that in just a moment. So now here we have, we've kind of put Paul on pause, right? He's kind of gone off the scene for a minute and now Peter's back on the scene to finish up. Peter is coming back on the scene to kind of finish up his responsibilities in the book of Acts, all right? You remember we said in the beginning of this study, there's two main characters, Peter and the apostle Paul. Peter in the beginning and the apostle Paul in the end. Peter reaches basically the Gentiles, or excuse me, the, uh, the Jewish people, and Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right, good. Now, let's start here in chapter number 10 and verse number 1. All right, chapter 10, verse number 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius basically gets a vision. He, he sees God. God says, send for Peter. Peter has got the message that you need to hear. So he follows the directions and sends for the apostle Peter. Okay, now we see Peter. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So obviously there was bacon-wrapped shrimp and pork chops on that. And all God's people say it. Amen. Man, I'm glad I'm a New Testament Gentile. Amen. That was one thing I wanted when we got back from Israel was pork chops with gravy. Say amen. And the voice spake unto him again the second time. What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done thrice. Three times. Three times God had to do this. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. I'm going to stop right there to give you all a chance to sit down and then we'll continue reading. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for the Lord, the faithful people that are here tonight. Great crowd, great crowd on this Wednesday night. Lord, as we learn and we grow I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's continue reading. Let's continue reading and then we'll study, okay? 
And, and now we find uh, Cornelius' servants, Cornelius' people have been sent to Peter. Peter has a vision. Uh, he is praying and God is speaking to him and showing him some things. But Peter don't really have an idea. He, he's kind of he's in a fog. He, he's not sure what this means. This is so different than, than what he knows. And so we find them, the messengers are at the gate now. And it says, and they called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. I have sent them. Say that with me. So this is a God thing. Are y'all with me? This is a God thing. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and one uh, of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in. In other words, he said, you just come on and stay with me tonight. All right? Now, that's another significant thing that we see. You remember what we said before, Peter staying with Tanner, uh, uh, Simon the Tanner, uh, that's significant. And now we see him inviting Gentile people to stay showing hospitality, all right? And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. We know later on we'll find out that there was six, six guys went with him. And the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and has called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. You know, we can learn from that. There's no celebrities, but Jesus period. You can respect God's man, but he's no celebrity. He's no celebrity. Jesus is the only celebrity in the Christian church. Say amen. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now he's figuring it out. Now he's understanding what that vision means. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore for what intent you have sent me. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour and at the ninth hour I prayed in mine house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms are at, at, or excuse me, thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, now he's got the complete story. Okay, now he's got the, the big picture. He opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Somebody say amen right there. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. 
That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he doeth, in, he doeth, he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Watch this. And God what? He raised him up the third day and showed him openly. So what did he just do? He just preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So what did he just preach? The gospel. Are y'all with me? The gospel. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him, he's preaching Jesus the whole time. Have you noticed that every message that Peter has preached from Pentecost on, it's always focused on Jesus. It's always focused on his death, his burial, and most importantly, his resurrection. Amen? To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall have remission of sins. Now watch what he did. He just basically told them how to be saved. He gives them the gospel and he says, if you'll believe that, if you'll believe that, you can be saved. Now, while Peter yet spake these words, he is still preaching his sermon. Are y'all with me? He, he didn't give an invitation. He's still preaching his sermon. Apparently he was being too long-winded for the Lord. Because this is what happens. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now what happened when they heard the word? What does it say in verse number 43? That through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall have remission of sins. So what happened? He preached the word and they, they believed the word. Y'all get that? He said, if you'll believe that, if you'll believe that. So apparently when he said it, they believed it. And immediately when they believed it, Look at this. This is great. When they believed it, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision. That's those Jewish boys that came with Peter. Y'all with me? All right. When they, it says, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter. In other words, this is afterward. Afterward. Say that. Afterward. So what happened? They preached the gospel. They preached the word and the people believed the word and got saved. We know they got saved because the Holy Ghost came upon them. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me? Everybody with me? I'm, I'm just on purpose. On purpose. It, watch this now. Watch this. Uh, what, what, verse, uh, verse, verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be which have received already? Already, right? They've received the Holy Ghost as well as we. What is he saying? These saved people need to be baptized. Not these people need to be baptized to be saved. 
They were already saved. The Bible says if you have the spirit, you're saved. If you don't have the spirit, you're not saved. They already had the Holy Spirit. Well, preacher, he didn't need, they didn't even pray a prayer or nothing. They didn't even come down during the invitation. He was still preaching. It don't matter. Half the people, half the people in this congregation was saved before they ever left the sea. Because they believed. They believed. Why do you think they moved? God's already dealing with them. Anyway, that's a whole different, that's a whole different subject. But here's, this is, a, this, is an, this is an amazing event, especially, especially for all of us. Now, most of you in here, if not all of you in here, are probably Gentiles of non-Jewish descent. Listen, this chapter ought to make you shout and run around the building. Now, how many of y'all remember that when we started the book of Acts, that we said the, the book of Acts is a historical book. Say that with me. It's a, it's a historical book. It is a book of transition. Say that with me. It's a book of transition. Now, transition is kind of like transmission. We're shifting gears, right? We're going from one thing to the next, all right? We're getting somewhere. We're moving slowly. And that's exactly what we have seen so far. Now, let's go back. Let's go back a little bit and we'll come back, okay? If we go back to the Gospels, uh, we, will, we will go to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, we were able to visit Caesarea Philippi and, and see the place where this took place. And, and Jesus looked at the disciples. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some think you're Elijah. Uh, 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 some think you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. Some think you're one of the prophets. He said, well, let me ask you a question. Who do you say that I am? which is a million dollar question. Who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up quickly. Peter spoke up quickly. We believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was thrilled with his answer. He said, flesh and blood hath not revealed the son to thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And unto thee, I give the keys of the kingdom. He said, what you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Basically, what did he do? He, he gave him the opportunity to be the one to bring salvation to the world. Now, what do you mean by that? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You remember, he's got the keys. He's got the keys. Peter unlocks the door of salvation in Acts chapter 2 to the Jews. You remember, on the day of Pentecost, he preaches he stood there, you know, that man that denied Christ, that man that messed up, that man that everybody thought was washed up and God would never use him again. No, sir. He stood on the day of Pentecost and God used a broken man to preach the gospel and bring many souls to Jesus. Thousands of Jews got saved that day. So the Jews are in, all right, this new, this new organism this new thing that God is doing. He's no longer dealing with the nation of Israel. He's dealing with the church on this rock. I will build my. And by the way, that he said that same thing at Caesarea Philippi. All right. So the Jews are in Acts chapter two. And then as we study through, we come to Acts chapter number eight. And we find out that Philip, he started witnessing to Samaritan people. And Samaritan people believed. But guess what? There was no Holy Spirit yet, right? The Holy Spirit didn't come upon them till who showed up? Peter. Peter and John. 
All right, so they come and they see that these people have believed and they laid hands on them and they were baptized. They received the Holy Ghost. We know that they had an outward manifestation of what happened on the inside and we said there was a reason for that. That doesn't mean you have to have lay hands on people for them to receive the Holy Ghost. It was to connect them to the Jews in Jerusalem. Peter had to be there. So there would be a connection. So the Jews in Jerusalem would know that God had truly accepted the Samaritans. Now, why is that significant? Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. Right? And I don't have time to go into all that. But basically, they were half Jew and half Gentile. And they were hated. They were hated. If you go study the history, Jews hated them and they hated Jews. All right? Now, but they're in. They're in. At least they had a little Jew in them. Okay? So we have, we have the Jews are in, and now in Acts chapter 8, we have the Samaritans. The Samaritans are in. Now, we're in Acts chapter 10. You see what's happening? There's a, what do we say? This is a book of transition. Transition. God used to just deal with the Jewish people. And if you, had to, if you had to come to God or had to get to God, you had to go through the Jewish people. You had to become Jew. You had to, you had to be a, what, what they call a proselyte. You had, to, you had to take on Judaism, right? Now, it's changing. It's changing. Now, not only, not only is God accepting the Jewish people, but God is accepting the Samaritans, the half Jew and half Gentile people. But hey, let's don't push it. But now we get to Acts chapter number 10. And God sends who? Peter. Why? He had the keys. Y'all with me? He had the keys to the church that God was building. And so God connected them and brought Peter and brought Cornelius together. Are y'all with me? Now, let me give you a couple pictures and then we'll, we'll, we'll look at our outline. This is just to kind of give you an idea uh, of what we're looking at. I, I think I want, I want the map first, if we can get the map. I hope you can see this. I don't have my little pointer. But do you see, do you see it's Israel, Israel, you see the Dead Sea and the, and the Sea of Galilee, uh, Lake Tiberias, uh, and then the Jordan River splits it. That is Israel. All right, that side is Jordan, okay? But this is Israel. You see there's three basic, three basic sections. Judea, which is south. Then you have Samaria, which is central. And then Galilee, which is north. Can y'all see that? Okay, if you'll look over to the left, uh, right at the top of the brown, right at the top of Judea, you'll see Jaffa. How many of y'all see that? Can y'all see that? Man, I need my pointer. All right, right, right below the blue, right, right at the line of the blue and the brown there, Jaffa, right on the, right on the coast. That is Joppa, okay? That is where uh, he healed uh, Tabitha, Tabitha, uh, Dorcas. He raised her back from the dead, and he did the, 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 the miracles there. He is there with Simon the Tanner. Say that with me. He's there with? He's there with Simon the Tanner, Okay. Now, if you go straight up the coast, if you go straight up the coast, you'll find Caesarea. Say that with me. That is where Cornelius was. And you say, why was Cornelius there? Because he was one of the centurions. He was a Roman soldier. And Caesarea was the capital 
of the Samaria area, all right? It was the capital. That's where all the soldiers basically stayed. That's where Herod, uh, Herod the Great had a palace there. Unbelievable palace, and the ruins are still there. I'm going to show you a couple pictures here in a minute. And, and that is where most of the garrison would stay. Now, we saw a lot of the Roman soldiers in Jerusalem during Passover, but that was just because of the great crowds and they wanted to keep the riots down. But most of the time, the Roman soldiers stayed at Caesarea. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, now, let's go to the... Does everybody see that? Both of them are right on the coast, okay? Both of them are right on the coast. That's where we'd all want to live. Say amen. Okay? Now, go to the next one. This is the house of Simon the Tanner. This is where they believed... Uh, in this general area, a house just like this where Peter stayed. All right, you see the architecture there. All right, go to the next one. This is the wall surrounding it, the, the doors on the right-hand side. This is basically what it would look like. And you see the roof is flat. That's where Peter would have been praying, you know, on the top of the roof. This is the, the seacoast right there outside. Uh, matter of fact, this is right behind, right behind uh, where those houses would have been that Simon, because he, he would live right on the sea, okay? It's real pretty right there too. All right? This is the architecture. This is what the buildings look like. This is what Peter would have seen, probably minus the glass, I would imagine. All right, go ahead. This is on the, on the, the shore outside. All right, this is in Caesarea. Matter of fact, back up one, back up one. This is in Caesarea. This is in Caesarea also. This is right outside of where the Hippodrome was, uh, where they would have concerts, where they would do dramas, uh, uh, right not far from Herod the Great's uh, uh, beach palace. Okay, go to the next one. This is the Hippodrome. You can see it. You can see it there. All right, this is a jail. It's been built up on the top, but you can basically see it where they believe that Paul was held in Caesarea before they shipped him to Rome. How many of y'all remember when he was sent to Rome uh, to defend himself? This is right there. Basically, where this picture has, has been taken is right in the ruins of Herod the Great's palace. All right? This is some more area. That it would, this is what it would have looked like in, in Peter's day up in the, up in the ruins there. Okay? All right, this is the gate right there in Caesarea. That's what, okay, these are the, the aqueducts, okay? The aqueducts that run from where Caesarea is, up north of Caesarea, uh, is the Mount Carmel mountain range where Elijah called down fire. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? All right, they ran these aqueducts, the, the Romans and basically Herod the Great run these aqueducts all the way from that mountain chain all the way down to Caesarea for fresh water. Really unbelievable. Go ahead. See the, see the trough there? See the trough? That's a, a cut version where you can see the trough where the water ran down by gravity. Run all the way down. And, and by the way, they called it sweet water. They didn't call it fresh water. They called it sweet water. So they'd have sweet water, not salt water. All right? That's part of the, the aqueducts. All right, go to the next picture. Okay, there we go. Can y'all see, this is, the, this is where his palace, uh, Herod the Great's palace was at. And it would, have been, it would have been there when Peter was there and also Paul. But do y'all see that square? How many of y'all can see that square? It's almost like a perfect square right there. This right here means yes, this here means no. Can y'all see that square? Okay, that was Herod's indoor pool. 
Now, it's got seawater in it now, but they ran the aqueducts to bring the sweet water so he could have a freshwater pool inside, indoor freshwater pool in his palace. Wow. Are y'all with me? It goes out into the, it goes out into the ocean. This is where Cornelius was. All right, this is where most of the Roman soldiers stayed and were. This is where he was when he got the vision. And he sent down, he sent down to bring Peter up from Jaffa. All right, let's go back to that map. Let's go back to that map. All right, now did you see where Caesarea is at the top of the blue? See, if you see that, say amen. amen. All right, see Mount Carmel right above that. Oh, look at there, somebody's got a red dot. Who's got that? All right, who's got the red dot? Y'all messing with me. All right, see Mount Carmel. See Mount Carmel. The aqueducts run from the Mount Carmel chain all the way down to Caesarea. Now, Peter is down here at Joppa, and Cornelius is at Caesarea, and he sends for him, and he brings him up the coast to find out what's going on. Thank you, my friend. You are awesome. I don't care what, I don't care, I don't care what Dustin says about you. You're a good guy. All right, now, I'm going to find whoever out here that had that. <laughs> All right, so you see Mount Carmel here, and then Caesarea. Here's Caesarea, here is Joppa. All right, and, and then you would see, uh, right, about, right about there would be where he began in, in Lida, which is where the, the, uh, the airport is, Ben Gurion Airport where we flew into. All right, now, now, let's jump back to our outline. Now, does everybody got kind of an idea of what we're looking at? This, both are, are seaside ports, and uh, Paul, or excuse me, uh, Peter is staying with Simon the Tanner. And you said, why is that significant? We said earlier that that was a big deal. When you, when you tan hides, you're dealing with dead animal skins, okay? Dead animal skins, was, it was unclean to the Jew. So no good self-respecting Jew would be found in a house with a bunch of dead animal skins. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So what is happening? Peter is slowly changing. He's slowly changing. All right. First, he was willing to accept and, and be a part of the Samaritans coming into the church, the body of Christ, because he's seen what God did with them. Now, now he's staying in a place that really good Jews didn't stay in. Then, then, the, the Gentile servants of Cornelius came and he invited them in to stay the night and he put them up for the night. Another huge Jewish no-no. Are y'all with me? But what's happening? We are seeing a, come on everybody, we're seeing a transition. A transition. God is doing something new. In other words, things are Yeah, I know why you're giggling. Because nobody likes change. Especially in a church. They say the only one that likes change in a church is the baby in the nursery, and he don't like it real regular. Is that not the truth? How many church wars have there been over change? Color the carpet, color the pews, whatever it might be. Just changing anything. And so, but we see change happening slowly. Change happening slowly. Now, 
we find here in chapter number one. Let's look at, let's look at, excuse me, chapter number, uh, chapter number 10. Let's look at our notes. Open your notes up and let's, let's go through our notes. All right. Now, now to understand the significance, I, 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 I want to, I want to read to you just a little bit about strict Jews. Okay. Strict Jews would have nothing at all to do with Gentiles. Nothing. Say that with me. Nothing. They would not be guests in Gentile homes. They would not invite Gentiles to their homes. Dirt from a Gentile country was considered defiled and a Jew would shake it off his sandals before entering into Israel. Hence where we get the expression, shake the dust off. That's where it come from. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Which is kind of funny because two of our, actually three of our group, when we landed, they had dirt on their shoe and got quarantined in the airport. It is funny now, but it wasn't funny then. Say amen. All right. Jews would not eat food prepared by Gentile hands. Cooking utensils purchased from a Gentile had to be purified before being used. In short, Gentiles were considered unclean and their presence, just their presence, defiling. Now think about that. Now we know how bad they hated Samaritans, right? Well, it doesn't hold a light to how much they hated Gentiles. At least the Samaritans had somewhat of a little bit of a Jewish heritage. But now these are full-blooded Gentiles. Now, can y'all see the hatred going on here? And that this is a huge deal. And matter of fact, it's such a huge deal that before it took place, God had to get Peter ready to make it happen. Are y'all ready? Amen. Now let's look at our notes. First, number one, number one, write this down. Number one, I want you to see the plan that God intended. The plan that God intended. In other words, this was God's plan the whole time. God intended to be the God of this world. Not just the God of the Jewish people, but the God of the entire world. Even when he called and set apart the Jewish people, he set them apart to be his own. But they were supposed to tell the whole world about him. Jesus says, I have, I have sheep that are not of this fold. In other words, you're not the only ones that's coming in. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him whosoever Jew or Gentile whosoever rich or poor whosoever white or black it doesn't matter who they are this is God's plan this is God's plan this was his intended plan all the time all right first hey I want you to write this down first we see a new direction a new direction now, what, what, why is this important? Because for a long time, there was separation. Say that word with me. Separation. All right. God did it this way. God did it this way. He separated them and gave them a separate dress code. He gave them a separate diet. Right? Can't eat pork. You can't eat, you know, shrimp. You can't eat, and I'm not going to go into all, but he had them separate, okay? Their behavior was separate. Their worship was separate, set apart to be 
different. Say it with me. To be different. Separated from everybody else to be different so they know that they're special. They have a responsibility. They have a job. God has given them a purpose. But they took it further. Their law morphed into traditions. And their traditions became so great and so burdensome that God didn't just have them separated. They became isolated. Are y'all with me? There's a difference between being separated and isolated. Now let me explain. I think every born again child of God needs to be separated from the world. I believe you need to look modest. I believe you need to look different. I believe you need to act different. I believe you need to talk different. I don't believe anybody should have to ask you whether you're a Christian or not. I believe they should look at you and they should be around you and they could understand there's something different about this person. He doesn't act like everybody does and he doesn't talk like everybody does and his behavior is different. There's something special about him. Separate, not isolated. Do y'all understand the difference? God never told us to go up on a mountain somewhere and put up a big high fence and keep everybody out. He said, if you was to do that, how are you going to reach the world? How are you going to be salt and light if you're isolated? But he does want you to be separate. He wants you to be different. But the problem with them is they they started adding all these rules and all these traditions. And he said, you've made the word of God of none effect by your traditions. Their traditions isolated them from the rest of the world. That's why they couldn't reach the rest of the world. Amen? But now God's doing something different. God's doing something different. These, this separation that he created, these laws that he created, he's tearing them down. He's doing something different. All right? There's a new direction. And by the way, let me say this. Let me say this so everybody can get this. Just because it's new doesn't make it bad. Just because it's new don't make it bad. And and just because it's old don't make it right. I've heard old gospel hymns that wasn't biblical a bit. And I've heard new songs that had more gospel dripping off of them. But just because, young people, just because it's new, don't make it right. And just because it's old, don't make it bad. Are y'all with me? Important that we get that. But we see a new direction. God is doing something different. God is doing something new. This is a new direction for Peter. And he's struggling with it. We see verse, or B, not only a new direction, but a negated difference. A negated difference. Negate means to cause to be ineffective or invalid, taking it away. God has taken away the difference. Ephesians 2.11, it says, Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, that that was a a physical marking of the Jewish people that, that, that marked their difference, their separation, a circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But 
Come on, everybody. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. Who, watch this now. Who hath made one, watch this, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition, that separation, that middle wall of partition between us, between Jew and Gentile, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one, one new man. Somebody say amen. The law of Moses was a wall between Jews and Gentiles. And this wall had been broken down at the cross. The Gentiles were considered aliens and strangers as far as the Jewish covenants and promises were concerned. But now all of that would change. And God would declare that as far as the Jew and the Gentile were concerned, there is no... Say it with me. There is no either in condemnation or in salvation. In other words, just because you're a Jew doesn't mean you're saved. And just because you're a Gentile doesn't mean you're condemned. For all have sinned, Jew and Gentile. All have come short of the glory of God, Jew and Gentile. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Jew and Gentile, shall be saved, Jew and Gentile. Somebody say amen. God took the wall away. God took the separation away. He negated the difference. He's coming to the world, to all men. Now we know that, we know that, but the Jews in Jerusalem don't, y'all with me? They still have that, that, that years and years and years and years and years and years of their tradition and heritage and Peter's struggling with it too. Are y'all with me? We know that God is wanting to do a new thing. We know that God is wanting to make one church, one body, Jew and Gentile together, tear down the separation but we've got we've to prepare. Number two, number two, we see the preparation that God involved. The preparation that God involved. He had to prepare the one holding the keys. <laughs> Y'all with me? He had to prepare the one holding the keys. Two things about this preparation I want you to see. Look what it says. Peter's praying and he sees this vessel. He sees this food, unclean food that normally because of his tradition and his heritage, he would never eat. He would never eat. Unclean beast. And God says, rise and eat, kill and eat. Not so. Verse 14. But Peter said, verse 14. Y'all got a Bible? All right. All right. Verse 14, and Peter said, I ain't doing that. First, I want you to see the difficulty, the difficulty in preparation. Change is not always easy. Change is not always easy. I'm glad mom and dad are here tonight. I did some change in things that we did, scheduling and different things here. Most of, some of y'all were here during that time. And, uh, and, and 
they thought I was the Antichrist. <clears throat> now, Dad always supported me. He said, I don't care what you do. I'm gonna be, if I'm ever a church member, I'm going to be the best church member pastor I ever had. All the hell I went through, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support my preacher. Mom didn't have that philosophy. <clears throat> Not that she was against it, but we had some very, very deep discussions. <laughs> but it was more, I don't understand. And that was the one thing that mom would say all I don't understand. I, why? Change is hard. When you've done something the same way, the same thought for an extended period of time, it is hard to change. Are y'all with me? Now, let's see. Peter's struggling with this. Not so, now, who's speaking to him? God is. Now, it's one thing for me and mom to disagree. For her to tell me not so. Peter is telling. Now, this is not his first time. How many of y'all remember when Jesus told him, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified. You know what he said? Not so, Lord. You remember? Jesus had to tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. He's saying, you don't get it. You don't get it. And, and, and how many of y'all are glad we have a patient Lord? He could have just as easily got angry at Peter when he said not so the first time and just, give me that key back. He didn't know. How many times did he, how many times did he come and speak to him? Three times. He's patient. Peter's kind of thick, right? He's stubborn. He's stubborn. Difficulty in preparation. We are not always willing to break away from our tradition. Oh, watch this now. Or what we are. Okay, okay. It's in your notes right here, right here, right here. It's red in mine. I don't know what color it is in yours. All right, let's read it. We are not always, come on, y'all found it? Y'all find it? We are not always willing to break away from our tradition or what we are it's not always that it might be wrong or against the Bible. We just might not be comfortable with it. Something that is new to us, we often reject simply because it's different. Preacher, what are you saying? We need to be willing to do whatever we need to do. Ever break the Bible? No. Never go against Scripture. But never get so caught up in our comfort level that we're not willing to do something different to win someone to Christ. Are y'all with me? We see the difficulty in preparation. Then B, then B. We see the determination in preparation. The ter- determination in preparation. Three times. And by the way, this was not the only three times that Jesus had to speak to Peter. Peter, lovest thou me? Remember that? On the seashore. Peter, lovest thou me? You know I love you, Peter. Lovest thou me? I love you, Peter. You know. You know. Can't y'all see Peter going from to... And that's what's happening here. He's still trying to... This is what, what, what is happening? What is happening? Look what it says. Look what it says. 
Look in verse number 17. Verse number 17. After the third time, after the third time, verse 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean. He, he's, 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 I'm trying to figure this out. What does this mean? It's, it's like he's in a fog. What, what's going on with this? What's going on with this? This doesn't, this doesn't really make sense. It says, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now, let me say this about change too, just so you can get in your head. God never institute change without a purpose. I don't believe in changing anything just for the sake of changing it. I believe there has to be a purpose behind it and in accomplishing something for it, right? Now, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Number three, I want you to see, we got to hurry. I'm about to run out of time. I took too long. Number three, the preaching that God imparted. The preaching that God imparted. All right, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's fast forward a little bit. <clears throat> We see he gets the servants, he, he, he shows hospitality to them, so we, we can tell he's starting to change. He's starting to trend. He's really, uh, uh, he has no prejudice whatsoever, right? He receives them, God is really working on his heart, and he, he welcomes them in, and he shows hospitality to them, and now, now they're going on their journey, and they get to, they get to Cornelius' house, and man, Cornelius is so jacked up about it, he went and got friends and family. Hey, listen, if I need to hear what he's got to say, everybody needs to hear what he's got to say. And that's what every Christian should be like. Well, he's got this house full of people. Peter comes in, and Cornelius runs and, and falls down to worship him. He he's really, uh, doesn't really understand. Peter says, hey, man, I'm just a man like you are. I'm just a man like you are. He says, what, what can I do for you? Basically, basically. And, and even Peter starts with this. He said, now, y'all understand, I ain't supposed to be here. I, by, by law and, and by our tradition, it's not lawful for me to keep company uh, with a Gentile. And this is, this is really different for me, guys. This is really different. You got to understand that. So why is it that I, what, 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 do, you, what, what do you need with me? And then Cornelius tells him, God told me to send for you. It clicks immediately. This is why. At that moment, he understood the vision. At that moment, he understood what God was trying to say to him. He said, don't call common or unclean what I have cleansed. Talking about that food, right? And the whole point was, he wasn't just trying to get him to eat a pork chop. He was trying to get him to see that things are different now. Things are changed now. That God had truly accepted the Gentiles. They can be cleansed and they can be right just like the Jews. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So what did he do? What did Peter do? Instantly. Instantly he got it. So what did he do? He began to preach Jesus. All right? Write this down in your notes. There was a ready preacher. There was a ready preacher. He said, I perceive. He was ready to preach the gospel. He knew exactly what to preach. He knew exactly who to exalt. He knew exactly what to say. But even more importantly, there was receptive people. You know, it wouldn't matter a bit if I was up here ready to preach if you wasn't out there with a ready ear. If you were not receptive. Y'all with me? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, the preacher needs to be ready to preach tonight. Well, you need to be ready to hear. Did you pray on the way and say, God, speak to us tonight? Did you pray and say, God, touch the preacher. Tell him to tell us what we need to hear. 
See, this works both ways. He was ready to preach. But boy, they were sitting there ready to, ready to hear. Look at this. They weren't the only people in the New Testament like that. The Bible says in Acts 17, 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all what? Readiness of mind. They searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. In other words, you will get more out of the Wednesday night Bible study and Sunday morning sermon if you'll read the Bible through the week. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And by the way, by the way, there were questions being asked. There were questions being asked uh, on the trip in Israel on, and on the Holy Land trip that uh, should have been known if they had come to Wednesday night Bible study. And I told them. First Thessalonians 2.13 for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. In other words, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? While Peter was speaking in those people's minds, they were not listening to Peter. They were hearing from do you know how that would drastically change what you got out of church? Now, let me, let me say this, and I'm not defending myself. But you say, well, that was kind of boring. Maybe you was listening to the wrong one. Because I found this out. Now, I... Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I've sat, I've sat under some boring people that I was ready to go to Shoney. Say amen. <laughs> but I was listening to the wrong one. If I will listen for God to speak to me, it doesn't matter who's bringing it. God will speak to me. And I, here, let, me, let me just address something while I'm here. All y'all to keep calling me to ask who's going to be preaching while I'm gone? You ain't getting no answer. Because it don't matter. Who are you coming to hear? They heard the word as if it was the word of You're not coming to be entertained, people. You're coming to be edified. And the only way you're going to be edified, and the word edified means built up, is if you're listening for the voice of And guess what? They heard him. Because when he presented the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and said, if you'll believe that, boom, they believed it. You know how I know that? Because immediately the Holy Spirit fell upon them. He didn't fall upon good preaching. He followed, he fell upon the people who believed the word that was being preached. Are y'all with me? So where was the power? Was the power in the delivery or was the power in what was being delivered? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the, I'm not ashamed of the, for it, not the delivery, 
The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Are y'all with me? Okay, we're about out of time. But we got this is important. This is the most important part. Can't leave this out. There was a ready preacher. There was a receptive people. They were listening intently. They were ready. But watch this. Look what happens. Verse 44. Not verse 44. Yeah. Here we go. I had it on the wrong page. Here we go. Verse 44. When you get there, say amen. All right, watch this. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And why did he do that? They believed the word. They did what he said in verse 43. And it says, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They couldn't believe it. Why? These were Gentiles. These were the hated people. These were the unclean people. They were astonished. Now, why were they astonished? Because the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Well, how'd they know that? How many of y'all, y'all, that's a rhetorical question. Uh, how many of y'all can see the Holy Ghost? How many of y'all can see the Holy Ghost? He's like the wind, right? He's like the wind. You can't see him. You don't know if the Holy Ghost is in me. I don't know if the Holy Ghost is in you. But in that time, there was an outward manifestation of an inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that was the, the ability to speak in those languages. Tongues. Are y'all with me? It happened in Acts 2. It happened in Acts 8. And now it happens here. So what's happening? There's an outward manifestation. And the Jews over here, they're sitting there like good Jews in the sermon. And Peter's preaching a sermon. And all of a sudden, all these Gentiles, man, they're getting full of the Holy Ghost. And they begin to praise in these languages. And, 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 and these old boys over here say, whoa, look what, that's what happened to us. Y'all with me? And that's what happened to the Samaritans when Peter showed up. And the Holy Ghost came upon them in the same outward manifestation. You see what's happening here? You say, why didn't they, why didn't they have to wait till Peter put hands on them? Peter's already there. They were already connected. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Here's what I want you to see. <clears throat> verse, verse 45. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. So they followed through with believers' baptism. Say amen. Now, here's what I want you to write down. Number four, the proof... Say that with me. The proof that God included. <clears throat> two things, two things. Quickly, 50 seconds. It was identifiable in its purpose. In other words, they could identify. It was obvious proof, right? It, what happened to them at Pentecost in chapter number two was happening right here in Acts chapter number 10. In order for the disciples to accept the Gentiles into the church, God would have to give them undeniable proof that it was part of his plan. So B would be this, irrefutable in its proof. It was identifiable. In other words, it was those tongues. It was the same identical thing that happened to them in Acts chapter number 2. It was identifiable in its purpose. It was irrefutable in its proof. What was the purpose? What was the purpose? All right. Put that down and look at me real quick. Hurry, 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 hurry. 
the next chapter, the next chapter is going to prove why God did this. Okay? The, the earth, the earth is made up of three kinds of people. Jews, Samaritans, which are and Gentiles. So what has taken place? There's been a tr- tr- transition so far in the book of Acts. First salvation, first salvation came to the Jews first, right? Paul obviously said it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So in Acts chapter number 2, salvation came through the ministry of Peter, right? The Holy Ghost came upon them through the ministry of Peter, Acts chapter number 2, to the, to the Jew first. Acts chapter 8, Salvation came to the Samaritans, which is half and half. You see the transition? And now in Acts chapter number 10, salvation has come to the, through the ministry of Peter. Now, in Acts chapter number 2, what was, what was the outward manifestation of the inward Holy Spirit? They spoke in, what happened in Acts chapter 8? What happened in Acts chapter 10? All right. So what would be the proof, the evidence that they could tell the Jews back in Jerusalem, basically the headquarters. It became Antioch, but, but it, right at that time, the Jewish headquarters, the church's headquarters was in Jerusalem. What was the evidence? The same thing that happened to us in Acts chapter 2 happened to them in Acts chapter 10. And, and by the way, Peter's going to have to defend himself in the next chapter because they were still steeped in tradition in Jerusalem. And they're saying, what? What? What are you doing messing around with Gentiles? Now Peter's going to be able to say, well, let me tell you. Not only can Peter testify, but thank God them other men, them other Jews that were with Peter, they can testify too. Are y'all with me? Now, I don't want to get too much in that chapter because we've got a lot that's really cool. But God has to work a transition. And he's doing it slowly. How many of y'all know you can't, you can't turn a cruise ship on a dime? You can't turn a cruise ship like you can a sea dew. Y'all with me? These people, these people have been this way a long time. But things are changing. Things are changing. It's all, what's the title say? It's all coming together. You see, now after Acts 10. So, so what is, the, what is the, the pattern now? What is the pattern now of salvation and being filled with the Holy Spirit? It's Acts 10. What, happens, what happened the moment they believed? The Holy Spirit came upon them. Right? The moment they believe. So what happens when somebody in here believes the gospel? I'm preaching the gospel. They believe the gospel and accept Christ. Immediately what happens? Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're indwelled. They're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And then they follow the Lord in believers. Baptism. Now that's just, that's just what God has said to do. They're already saved. And they're making a testimony. An hour testimony of what's happened on the inside. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's the New Testament pattern. Because, and, and this is where, this is where, and I, I hate to take more time, but I, you got to get this. There are so, there, there's so much false doctrine. There's so much false doctrine, especially, 
in, in the Pentecostal brethren because they try to teach doctrine from a transitional book. And things are not the way now that they are or were in chapter number two. Do you understand what I'm saying by this? So they say, we're, we're, we're praying for another Pentecost. Why? We don't need another Pentecost. There's no, there won't ever be another Pentecost. All right? The pattern is found for right now, the New Testament church, Acts chapter number 10. The moment you believe, you are indwelled by the Holy Ghost. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. All right. Read chapter 11 this week. And next week we'll, wait a minute. Yes, chapter 11, chapter 11. We're going to find out uh, that the, 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 the Christians at Jerusalem wasn't about all this change, right? Uh, they heard that they got saved, and instead of celebrating that people got saved, they were mad that they were hanging out with Gentiles. Uh, well, how dare they? Well, how dare people hear about people getting saved in the church growing, but how dare they use screens on the wall? Anyway, how dare they have coffee in the auditorium? How dare the preacher don't wear a tie and wear a camouflage jacket on Sunday, Wednesday night? Y'all with me? See, we, we can't be so critical of these guys. We struggle with it too. We struggle with it too. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege 